Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Amen. It's good to be back with you, Grace Point. And I say it's good to be back with you. I'm excited about this topic. I'm excited that Pastor Mike and his staff would take on a topic like this. You know, I think they would say that they're not saying even if it's intentional parenting. Typically, when churches do series like these, you know, there are people who say, well, I'm not a parent. So what does that have to do with me? Or I'm single. Are you trying to say I have to be married and be a parent to be a valid person in the church? No. No, we're not saying that. But every person in this room is affected by the relationship between a man and a woman. Every single person has inherited either a testimony of hope and the glory of God and the spiritual legacy to carry on, and also maybe we've inherited some points of pain, some misses, some hurts at times. But the reason why we do this series is the same thing why we do the gospel. We believe that we serve a God who restores and redeems and provides hope. And even if you came from a good family, we want to make sure that you capitalize on the goodness and the mercies of God and that you be intentional in how you pass that on to future generations. When I hear churches do series like these, I say they are shaking the generations. They're not just worried about the here and now or also just, yes, going into eternity. But they're saying we want to invest in a time to generationally impact not only the members that sit here, the people that we'll never ever see are affected by the choices you make today. And whether you know it or not, you are also impacted by the choices of people you never met. And that's what we'll be talking about today. You know, I was excited when Pastor Mike first invited me to do this talk. I was just in the midst of training, like internationally, about talking about intergenerational trauma and its impacts on people and how do we help equip counselors even to help recognize and help their clients who struggle with intergenerational trauma. And I'll tell you, this is a theme out of doing all of the research, looking at survivors, not even just the survivors, but three to four generations later, a survivors of the Holocaust and how what the people, their family members who went through the Holocaust, how their stories were still playing out four generations later. And here's the theme from every bit of research I've been able to see on intergenerational impact. And it all goes back to this, the power of an untold story. It's not the stories that happened, but they noticed that infected people, whether it was the family was stuck in chaos and couldn't figure it out. Or sometimes just people felt this compulsion in their heart to try and do something, to be a part of society or God's kingdom, but they couldn't understand where it was coming from. And they felt distress from that. And it all went back to there were some untold, unexplored, unshared stories. And if it's cool, if it's all right with you, I was going to say if it's cool, look at I'm relaxed here at Grace Point. If it's cool with y'all, I want to read, um, there was this book by a Jewish rabbi and psychotherapist called Wounds to Wisdom. And in one of her introductory chapters, she tells a story, well, it's one of her stories actually about the impact for her. So I'm going to read one of those excerpts. In my 25th year, 
I dreamed of a slender Hungarian woman dressed in a fur coat. Beneath her lavish attire, I saw that she was in fact a skeleton, peering at me with both irony and affection. This woman could see that I was young and raw, paralyzed by an unnamed guilt, barely able to buy myself a teapot or a secondhand sweater without being assailed with self-doubt. Dalink, she called to me, her thick accent comforting and somehow familiar. Don't be a fool. Don't you think we would be enjoying our beautiful things if we could? Her jaw clacked with a bony laughter. Suddenly, the lights went on and the room filled with richly clad Hungarian ladies, skeletons all. If you don't know the historical backdrop, this is the Hungarian hunger strike during the time of the occupation of the Nazis. Enjoying a tea party. It was clear that they were all dead, yet they were also radiant and full of life. Turning toward me, their voices rose in unison. Do you think it helps us that you suffer? Live the life we could not live. I sat up in bed and wept. Their words had penetrated me, touching the core of my malaise, an outsized outsized case of survivor's guilt I did not know I had. Live the life we could not live. These words became a turning point, a mantra, a north star. I took them with me as I I found my footing in the world, followed the call to become a psychotherapist, and ultimately rejoined the religion I had left behind. And she goes on to talk about this is a story that she found in many of the Holocaust families that she worked with. And what she found that shrouded many of these families where the untold stories of paradox that paradoxically becomes the strongest form of transmission. And you say, why am I saying that? Her family had been through so much, but I believe in this, that I'll say this. Let me give a few disclaimers. I am not saying what your family went through is your destiny. But I do know that somehow, even when we look at the lineage of Jesus, God was always at work in the historical elements of every line and every generation of Jesus' life. And I think God is at work in our lives before, even before we were formed in our mother's womb. God has been at work. And here's the point I want to give you. There's two sides of what I want to give you today, or I hope that God really wants to give you. I think there's some of us that are bound by stories that haunt us, like this author's story. But I also think there's some redeemable stories in your family that maybe we're not talking about. I was talking to my father the other day. He asked me how his grandgirls were doing because, of course, that's all he cares about. He forgets about me and my wife sometimes. No, no, that's not true. I know that. No, he really cares about his grandkids. And I said, Dad, you know, the one thing I'm concerned about is this. I think about the things that Nicola and I have been through, the pains that we've gone through, And I will never, ever want to go through them. And I definitely don't want my daughters to go through them. But I do wonder, how will it impact them that they won't have some of the adversities I've ever faced? And what am I supposed to do about that? I was scared. I'm being honest in front of you, Grace Point. I was scared. Maybe, have I made life too easy for my daughters? And they're going to think life is handed to them on a silver platter? Have I made it hard for them to think that there's not about... Have they not learned lessons about how to deal with adversity and that the world doesn't always say yes to you? But then I thought about it. They don't have to live it. I need to tell it. I need them to know that what they have, what they've been given, 
came through not just the hard work of their parents, but the goodness of God. And if I don't tell them that, then guess what they're going to have to go do, I think, and what I'm afraid of as a father. They're going to have to go through a lot of lumps and bumps in order to get the lesson that their father should have passed on to them. My mentor, one of the greatest lines he could have ever said to me, he said, James, I want to tell you every pothole I fell in on the road so that way you can go farther and faster because you should not have to fall in them. If you fall in them, it's because I failed you. I didn't tell you where they were. So I'm going to tell you where they are, and it's your choice if you want to go into them or not. But you won't go into them because I didn't tell you. That's all I'm saying today is make sure as the theme of this talk, of this series, be intentional in your parenting. There is power in you telling the story of how God has moved in your life and at times when your family existed also outside of the will of God. Why? So we can learn. We want the future gen- We want our kids to know about those potholes, to also know about how God saved us from some potholes when we shipwrecked in life. Amen? All right. Y'all with me today? I like preaching at Grace Point. It's fun. So let's look at the focus points that we're going to talk about. Just three simple ones. I like to keep it simple. The first point, I really, as I pray, and I said, God, what is it we're supposed to give here? What is it that I want Grace Point to walk away with? The first one is intentionality in examining the relational, emotional, historical, and spiritual legacy of your family line. I know that's a lot. It's a lot. I'm a counselor right now. I'm shooting for the moon. But I at least want to put a vision before you. All of those factors. Can you be able to talk to your, your kids? Do you even know the story about the relational legacy? Do you know about the relationship between your parents and how their marriage, what it looked like? Because kids are going to often imitate what they see, even if you never talk about it. What about emotionally? This is me being a therapist again. But do you know how your parents helped handle their emotions? How did you know if your parents were angry? How could you tell if they were sad? What happened in your family if someone was hurt or sad? You know, we talk about many people sometimes rebel against the greatest generation that went through World War II because they could come off as very cold and indifferent at times. And oftentimes they didn't always tell their kids directly, I love you. They showed their love by working hard, being patriotic, being faithful in their church. But they went through a very hard season. But their inability sometimes to talk about emotion because of what they went through then impacted the next generation who didn't have an emotional bandwidth to also be able to, to emotionally connect with their children. And even historically, do you know about the things that your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that they went through and experienced? The reason why is that, are you bound by that? No, but I think there could be a spiritual legacy, but I think there also can be un- some uncovered trauma there. And then what about spiritually? I have seen so many people that have come from families that it's like, oh my goodness, the hand of God is upon you. But they never knew how to walk in that and how to handle that because they hadn't been mentored into that. They didn't understand how God had been moving in their family and how to walk in it. Second point, to intentionally tell the next generation how God has moved in your family. Simple one, right? Is It's just as simple as, even as uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Lori, they talked about the Shema, as you go. Sometimes I think we make family devotionals a little bit too complicated. And it's good to have these specific times at specific places. But the Shema sets us up. It says, hey, make sure your kids are with you as you do your life. And as you go from the store, 
to the, to the baseball field, to the soccer field, to the school hall. Talk to them. When they're in your car, they are a captive audience. Make them take the headphones off. Pick their face up out of the screen. Make sure you find moments to tell them. As you sometimes just go, the lessons just pop up. Make sure you tell your kids stories. Look for those divine opportunities to impart a spiritual legacy. Number three, it's about breaking strongholds and growing in God's grace. There might be some times as we talk about today, let me be sensitive to this. I'm probably making some of you, you're already thinking about the pain of your family. And I want to be sensitive to that. That it might bring up memories, it might bring up parts, and that's okay. I want, if, if, if it's okay, my prayer for you all today is that the Holy Spirit will hold all of us. You know, it says in the Psalms, God promised to be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. I believe he can do that today. And also, guess what? Not only does God promise to do that, not only does he bring you into a church, but God says, I bring you into a family, the family of God. So if that comes up for you today, talk to one of your staff members. Talk to one of your community group leaders. Let them know none of us has to suffer in silence. Let them know that your story got poked a little bit today and you need some help dealing with your story. Pastor Mike is one of the great pastors in the area about knowing about the resources, about how to get you connected to different services in the community if that comes up for you. All right. You know, I was talking to Pastor Mike and I love this topic, but sometimes I don't always know where to begin with it. And I liked as he and I talked, he's like, James, I really kept thinking about the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what? That was really smart of Pastor Mike because there's a pattern here. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob real quick. And then we'll close out where I'm going to take you through a guided time of prayer about some particular questions. And what we're going to look at it with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that they all had a common similarity. They love beautiful women, but they also struggled with how to handle their fear and how to trust God in the midst of their fear. And when they struggled to trust God in the midst of their fear, each one of them tried to handle things in their own, in their own way. And then the problem is going to be as each one of them tried to handle things their own way, it caused more problems than they had to deal with in the beginning. And it begs me the question, did each one of them tell the story? Because I'm like, if one of them could have told the story, they probably could have broke the chain. So let's look first at Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 through 13, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and at this time Abram, went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about, as he was about to enter into Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know, that, I know what a beautiful woman you are. What a compliment, right? When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me. But will you, but we'll let you live so you are my sister. So say you, are, say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Great idea in some ways, maybe, maybe not so much. Because when Pharaoh found out what happened, Pharaoh was not so happy. Why have you done this to us, Abram? You could have gotten us in trouble. But even in Pharaoh's being upset, he doesn't kill him. As a matter of fact, probably not the nicest thing, but in a way nice, he gives Abram a guarded escort out of Egypt. So here's what I'm saying, even in Abram's story. He tried to protect his own life, still almost got himself in trouble, but God still came through. 
All right, let's look at Isaac. Genesis chapter 26, verse 7 through 9. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, you see the setup again? He said, she is my sister. Now, I don't know if his dad told him this story. Son, if you get a beautiful wife, here's how you live in a foreign country. I don't know. Or is it, I don't, it's just funny sometimes how, how things just keep repeating themselves. Because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there for a long time, time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Can you tell this king is mad now? You almost got us in trouble. What if one of my men had took her and been with her? You would have brought a curse on us, was what he goes on to say. But Abimelech doesn't stop there. He gives an order and decree to everyone. Isaac and Rebekah, no one touched them. Leave them alone. And a matter of fact, he even seems like he gives them a parcel of land. And Isaac's wealth begins to grow. His wealth grew so much in the, amongst the Philistines, he, Abimelech finally says, look, you've gotten too powerful. Now you got to get out. But can you catch the theme? He was afraid. He tried to protect himself. God still intervenes and ends up protecting him anyway. And not only does he get protected, he gets blessed. Isaac did not have to try to defend himself, but he didn't know that. I don't know if Abram ever told him, hey, Son, when you get afraid, seek the Lord. Don't try and take care of it yourself because he's proven himself in my life. Maybe Abraham didn't tell him, so Isaac tries this. But then we go on to Jacob. And do we think that maybe somehow Isaac told Jacob? I'm not so sure about the story because we still see the same family legacy going on. Now, this one is not so much Jacob does have an issue or kind of trying to pursue after beautiful women that gets used against him later on in a way, by his deceiving uncle Lot. Can you even see the family legacy there? But then later on, we know that it was already prophesied that between Jacob and Esau, that the younger would be the one that would be in charge. And the parents knew something of this. But somehow, when it comes time for the blessing, though, Jacob and Jacob's mother, Rebecca in this situation, they didn't have enough courage to just trust what God had said and, let, and trust God's will over their life. Instead, they try to take matters and get the blessing by their own devices. Genesis chapter 27, verses 18 through 20. And this is where Jacob had, Isaac had told Esau to go out and kill game and bring it back so that he could bless him. And by the way, also Esau had already sold Jacob the birthright by this time. So, Jacob, so Rebekah had devised this plan for Jacob to deceive the father and take the blessing. And so now Jacob has put on the wool on his arms to feel like Esau, smell like Esau, and go in and get the blessing from his father, Isaac, who is now blind and can't really see. Picks up at verse 18. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find this game? How, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. But you see, the problem is Jacob took matters into his own hands 
and what happened to Jacob because of this. Now he has to go and run from his brother Esau because his brother Esau threatens to kill him. And even once he runs, he goes to his uncle Lot's house who deceives him and tricks him. He then learns how to treat him and deceive him back. And even once he meets Esau later, he's afraid just to go to Esau and confess his sin. He tries to kind of woo him and valid, get gifts from him. But he still just, Jacob keeps struggling to trust that God has a plan for his life. And Jacob takes matters into his own hands. He comes up with his own scheme. The family legacy just keeps playing out over and over and over and over. So what am I trying to talk about here, people? And even the title, as you see it up here on the screen, it's really about learning to detangle. Sometimes I think we get caught up, and I think what God wants us to do is learn from our family story, but I'm not saying today that the family story automatically determines everything about you. But in the midst of the tangled mess sometimes that is family, what I'm asking you to do is just like if you want to make a quilt and you got to pull out all the yarn, but it's been tangled up, I want you to be able to take the yarn and be able to separate. What is God doing? What does God want us to confess of? What does God want to free us of? What are the stronghold God wants us to pray and break down? What are the parts that God in this wants me to keep? Even in Ezekiel, he says, we got to learn how to extract the precious from the worthless. And when you get all the yarn separated, I want you to be able with the, with the sovereignty and as we were talking about even the pre-devotional, by the power of the Spirit to say, Spirit, here's my family's story. What do you want to do with it? Do you want me to make a hat with this yarn? Do you want me to make a scarf? Do you want me just to wrap this yarn up and it's just something to be put away on the shelf? Or is this some yarn where you want me to ceremonially take it to an altar and you want me to burn it because it's something that you wanted to take away from this family anyway? I don't know. But you know who does know? the Spirit of God. And I believe he wants to meet with each one of you in this room today and online. And he wants to say, will you take your story? Will you come and let me tell you your story about how I want it to move in your life, how I want to be your redeemer, how I want to be your protector? And will you let me detangle out of everything you've been through with your family, with your community, with the culture? Because there are some things in culture that we sometimes take on that God says, nope, that is not the part of the story I want you to hold on to. And there are some painful parts of it. He said, I need you to look at that, and I need you to learn from that so we don't repeat that. You know, we can't just pick the good parts of history and celebrate those and ignore the painful parts because the parts you ignore, they will sneak up and bite you. All right, there's a whole other lesson there. (laughs) But as you, Pastor Mike, read for us, I think the answer to the question I'm even proposing today is still in Scripture. And I'll read it for you again, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this comes up where Pastor Mike and Lori preached about last week. Even when Moses is about to bring them into the nation and they're about to walk into God's promise, I think that's a very pivotal moment that he's saying, hey, you're about to arrive in the promise. Here's some very important instructions for you to understand. And so you already heard them talk about the Shema. But then later on, Moses says, hey, I know right now in this generation, you actually got to, you, you, the generation before you that witnessed the miracles, they've gone and they were there. But I need to make sure as generations go down further, you don't let this story slip. And so Moses gives them these instructions. Gen- Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 20. In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the laws of the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, 
We were slaves in, of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from here, from there, to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that we, that that will be our righteousness. Don't you love that? He's saying, look, in future generations, they might not understand why these laws exist. You have to be the ones to tell them why this exists. And that's what I'm extrapolating out of this for us today. Sometimes it's like, why is our family the way we are? How did we arrive at this place? How has God moved in this place? Why do we go to church every Sunday? Hey, mom, why is it sometimes in certain emotional places I see this come out of you? Hey, dad, why is this? Why is that? Our children need to know the things that have shaped us. I'll tell you this as a counselor. You want to know one of the most predictors of a child having what we kind of call being an emotionally healthy person? It's based upon what the parents did with their own story. We're not even talking about what the parents did to the kids, how many times they brought them to church. It's what the parents did with their, unsto- with their own story. Parents that don't know how to go into their own story and find the redeemable parts of their story and even the painful parts of their story and work through their story. And I, even what we would find in some research now is how they share that story. That's what's a predictor of successfully kind of emotionally healthy children. So your story, parent, who you are, how God has moved in your life to help you be who you are today, and not even parent, grandparents in the room today, aunts, uncles, big brothers, big sisters, mentors, disciplers, you and your story, how God has moved in your life, it matters, not only for you, but for the generations that are coming after you. And how are you living your life today and allowing God to move that you have no idea that he might do something great and miraculous? There might be a diamond that he brings out of what was felt like coal in your life to heal and work with others. So I'm going to go through a series of questions just to make us think here as we get ready to close. What do you know about the lessons and experience of generations before you? What do you know about those? Have you asked those? I tell people, I remember at one family reunion, I looked at these generations that are about to exit this world and go into glory, and I said, we've got to find out their story. There's something that's there that we've got to learn from. How did they persevere the way they persevered? Why do they still have faith in God even after some of the things they went through in America, even in the racial past? What can I learn from them? Because here's the point. These people are the cast of characters that God sovereignly chose to impact us generationally, spiritually, even genetics, the very genes you have that are expressed, God knew them because he was going to bring them through the family line that you have. So there's a reason that they matter in your life, and we want to ask God about why those are there. So here's a question. What patterns is God causing, calling you to maybe change or break in your family line? Really think about that. 
What are some of those patterns that maybe God wants you to break in your family line? But also, the second question matters too. What testimonies do I need to be intentional to tell? You know what? I guess I never took that serious about how I overcame this or how I overcame that. But I should pass it on. I'll tell you, hearing my grandfather's story of being a World War II vet, he was a silent man and never talked about it. But here it was, I'm serving in the military. I'm like, granddad, you should have told me that it helps understand a little bit more why I felt called to do it. I love World War II movies. I had no idea that my grandfather had served because he just put it away. He filed it away. More questions to ponder. I know I'm being a therapist, just drilling you with questions here, right? But I want you just to take these and even meditate on them, pray about them. These might be your conversation starters to be intentional, by the way. What do you know about the experience of your parents or grandparents? How did they respond to the adversities of their life? And how, maybe how did it impact what they passed on? How would you des- describe the experience of being in your family? And how does that experience still impact you? What did you inherit from them just by being raised in their home? What are the pa- patterns going on in your own family or your community, your community group? The young people, maybe you mentor a disciple. What are those patterns that are going on that God's calling you to be a breaker or a shaper to change? And what spiritual legacy do you want to cultivate and pass on to the next generation? Because I believe God has empowered all of us to be a part of that and to do that, which is why I'm excited about this series, to be intentional. The things that are more likely to happen in life are the things we're intentional about, not the accidental things. But God still works in some of those too. Amen? Aren't we glad for that? So I know I went through a lot of stuff real quick, but if you want me to recommend some more additional resources, unlocking your family patterns, really great at walking you through in more depth about some of the things I asked you and some of the questions. The part about parenting from the inside out, talking about how a parent's own attachment style and their history of relationships and how that impacts what they pass on. Um, the two, the two outer books are two ones written by Christian authors, the middle one not. The other one, Why We Do the Things We Do, talks about attachment history and how your own attachment history impacts why you do the things you do. It also might help you make sense out of maybe there's some pain that you have with the generation before you, but maybe it might touch your heart just to understand like, oh, it makes sense why mom did what, they, what she did. It makes sense why dad or why uncle or why cousin did what they did. But can I just take us through a prayer time as I get ready to step off here? a time where we just get to pray and go before God. Because a lot of times what God's been saying to me, James, it's not just about what you teach people. Help people to have a direct encounter with me. So it's good you listen to me talk, but I want to create a space where we listen to the Spirit for ourselves and ask Him what He wants to say to us from this talk. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bringing us into the spiritual family of God through your blood and through your Spirit. And also, Jesus, thank you for the physical, the genetic family here on earth that you brought us to be a part of. We know that you were doing something in it that we could never understand. You were sovereignly at work before we ever knew. But Jesus, I pray as all, as everyone that is in this room, that you would show them the places and the patterns that are going on in their own life 
that you want to break. Speak to their hearts now, Jesus, and show them. Give them the courage to confront those things by the help of your Spirit. And also, Jesus, speak to their hearts right now about the things, the testimonies of how you've moved in their family's life and how you want to use those things. You want them to be intentional to tell those things to the next generation. And Jesus, I want to rejoice over this congregation right now that this week coming up, there's going to be all kinds of spiritual conversations and chains broken and the people represented online and in this room, God, that you're going to call them to break patterns, to break chains, and to raise up altars to God in their families and in their communities to pass on the goodness of God. And may they be intentional to listen and obey your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.